and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Katie. I'm Alan, and we are still married. And we are homebound for the next who knows how many weeks. That's right. So, you know, maybe we can step up and produce more content for our people since they're all homebound also. You guys are all at home most likely as well, unless you're doing what a lot of people are doing and walking around in nature. In the mountains, by the creeks and rivers? Or some of you have really critical jobs right now during this time. and If you're a doctor or work in a grocery store, basically. (laughs) Yeah, or you're a truck driver. That's right. Hey, shout out to all of you who are working through all of this. Um, Just thank you for what you do. You know, we are not practicing social distancing in our marriage because we only use one microphone. That means a lot of spit is is um, thrown between the two of us. I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but we haven't kissed in a few days, so I think it's we're just going to blame that on Corona. Oh, it's I I have been chewing on some barbecue sunflower seeds, so I will blame it on that. Yeah. So yeah, chances you're listening at home, and you've been there for a week or more. Some of you, some of you are newly home and. How's it going with the work-life balance and homeschool to throw that in? My goodness. Yeah, if it is March 20th today, 2020. So if you're listening in the future and you're one of the few remaining humans left, <laughs> uh, hello from the past. Uh, the purpose of this episode is actually the opposite of that joke. It's, it's to provide some calm during this whole pandemic and talk about how many people or how many Excuse me. Talk about how people are getting through it, how we're coping, the different, uh, how, what the experience is like at home, what some of the anxieties are, what some of the positives are, all of those things. Now, if you are paying attention to the timeline, you may note that the pandemic isn't the only thing those in Utah were experiencing at this point of time. Two days ago, something happened at 7.09 a.m. What was that, Katie? Oh, my gosh. Okay, I think we've learned I am not good in, a, in an earthquake situation. Now, hold on. Can I defend you a little bit? <laughs> sure. So, earthquake hits at 7.09 a.m. And me and Katie, if you know us, you can probably predict <laughs> our responses. Katie and I, it, we wake up at the same time. We both immediately recognize what's happening. And Katie jumps out of bed and the sound out of her mouth... <laughs> Oh, ah, oh my God, oh. And she's. I'm like, Alan, the kids. And she books it to go to the little kids' room, barks an order at me to say, go downstairs and check on the boys. Like, and the house is still rumbling. Yeah, because I'm like, the basement. I'm so worried that, like, it's going to come down on them. I know. And I grew up in California. I've been through a few earthquakes so in have my I. day. Uh, this was the second largest that I've felt, that I can remember that I felt. But. My reaction was very much, let's all remain calm. I'm more worried about uh, the the emotional response than I am the physical safety. So, I mean, what I actually later in the day started thinking was, man, if it was bigger, Katie's reaction saves us. And my reaction, okay, we're going to be calm when we die. But, but 
So I think it's a good, nice. we have a good mix. This is why we work well. Yeah, I felt like I was on a cruise ship or something on a boat, just going back and forth. And I remember like being disoriented, but I'm like, the kids, we have to grab the kids. So I actually went to my little kids' room to grab them out of bed and go to the door frame. But by the time I started to like, I woke them up and get them up, um, it had stopped. It, it felt like it lasted a while, but it didn't. It was pretty short. And so my little kids, my one son just like said something and then went back to bed. And then my daughter was more like me crying. And I wasn't crying, but I probably could have. And so then I just said, oh, it's okay. It's all done. Went back to sleep. My older boys, my my 11 to my 12-year-old Hayden, he slept through it the entire thing. And then my 14-year-old, he woke up and then went back to bed. And then they slept through all the aftershocks. And Alan and I were just absolutely engrossed in social media because we were um, on our phones talking to our families, our siblings, my parents, um, people on Facebook, people on Instagram were watching videos. So we spent like the first three hours of the morning just in bed just sort of processing all of this with people around us. And my kids came and got in my bed and we just like turned a Disney movie on and we really didn't get up and get moving till noon. And, you know, the pandemic is one animal, but putting an earthquake on top of it can just shake your nerves so badly. And, you know, I was thinking about all of the people that lived in Utah that were, you know, feeling like the stress of the lockdown, the stress of homeschooling the kids, and then the stress of now an earthquake. And I think that, I mean, from the responses we received, there were a lot of people that were just really kind of shaken. Yeah, and by responses, we were talking specifically about our Facebook group. We made a, a post in the Facebook group and number of people responded to it of how they were rattled there some were second guessing with their their stance or where where their newfound belief had landed of oh my goodness am i wrong and i think everyone kind of got sucked am in. i right am i wrong am i right all that stuff and we all got kind of sucked into that mm -hmm. for really the whole day mm -hmm. and even some of those conversations are still happening that's that is a natural thing to to occur i mean i'll be honest I don't know if it's because I'm stubborn or wicked or hard-hearted, but I, I'm not second-guessing anything. Uh, but I absolutely know that uh, what I am second-guessing is our preparedness for some of these things. want to make sure that we're prepared. Our foundation cracked a little bit. Apparently, it's not that bad, but it's it's something we have to keep an eye on. So that's that's what we wanted to address first here. And... The way that we wanted to do that is by bringing on a good friend of ours who we've met. We went to Love Loud with him and his wonderful wife and son and his partner back in uh, July of last year. And uh, it's Anthony Miller. For those of you who don't know Anthony, you're about to get to know him a little bit better. We didn't do much of an introduction in this little interview of who uh, Anthony is, but we did plug his uh, Mormon Stories uh 
uh, episodes that he did with John uh, just a few months ago. So uh, you'll hear that that plug and give you the episode numbers in there. And one thing Anthony did is he kind of he wrote in a Facebook post online that I read about these things that all of us are feeling like, oh, are, should we second guess ourselves? You know, are some of our like really faithful um, family members and friends are posting things about you know, the church and it's the second coming and these are all signs of the times. These are signs of the times and, and this can be this can put so much stress on both the believer and the unbeliever and anyone in a mixed faith marriage. So before we get to the rest of this episode, we wanted to say that this episode's gonna be a slightly different in that we're not gonna just focus on the mixed faith marriage. We're gonna talk about a lot of things, anxiety, depression. We're going to talk about, you know, what what positive have we seen come out of this and how can we handle it in a good way? And I hope that this will be helpful for all of you. So uh, we asked Anthony Miller to go ahead and read his own Facebook post and Alan and him were able to chat a little bit about it. So we will play that for you now. And now joining us on Marriage and Tightrope is my dear close friend, Anthony Miller, who is joining us via Zoom meeting, and we're sharing cameras. It's it's wonderful to see your smiling face again. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm actually doing pretty well. Thank you, my friend. How's Montana uh, treating you? Well, it was a dark, cloudy day and cold with snow yesterday. <laughs> so it was pretty oh, no. apropos for what's been going on these uh, last few weeks. By Monday, we'll have 61 de- degrees and and sun and we're in montana since uh i don't know if there's 300,000 acres per person or some large <laughs> amount right um we're not a very densely populated area i'm in the big city with in billings with about 110,000 people but we we've still um closed our schools restaurants are available for uh de- delivery or pickup the gyms uh were all closed today Right. So we're, we're making our way through it. Right. That's right. I got to do body weight exercises at home. Unless you, yeah, we, we've got the couch pushed out. We uh, have subscribed to the Les Mills uh, home streaming thing. So we can oh. do the classes and so forth and, and uh, move some boxes around uh, in the basement where we had our treadmill. So we're going to use that. So we're, we're ready for uh, an extended containment if that's what we need to do. That's that's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that your guys' family is doing well and everyone at the time being is happy and healthy and making it through. I think that you know the whole purpose Anthony why we invited you today is yes, you put out really really thoughtful things on Facebook often and one of your posts here really sparked an idea for us to do this episode on on having a different perspective, reducing the fear, reducing or increasing the calm in all of this, all of this uh, craziness that's going on. What, what I'd love for, for you to be able to do is uh, read through this Facebook post that you made uh, the day of the earthquake uh, in Utah, which you didn't even feel, right? Because you're out in Montana. Uh, but right. you had this thought, and the context uh, for all the listeners here is we've seen a number of posts in our Facebook group especially those in Utah, we're, we're under self-quarantine almost, we think it's going to be 
mandated quarantine here pretty soon, but we're under self-quarantine right now. And then the earthquake hits and suddenly a lot of wheels are turning in people's heads saying, what does this mean? There's, there has to be some, something behind this. Some people who have transitioned away from belief uh, in the supernatural or in uh, the LDS version of, of a deity are either second guessing themselves or are a little scared about, oh my goodness, what if I'm wrong? Uh, in a mixed faith marriage, uh, Anthony, I'd before you get started, I'd love to hear your thoughts because I've been thinking about this. In a mixed faith marriage, this, in this introduces this dynamic of maybe the, the spouse who is still active and believing in the church is looking at their wavering, unbelieving spouse and saying, I could pull them back right now. And what do you think? Is that a natural reaction? Is that something that we should encourage? Is that something that we should, we should explore? Uh, what do you think? This is an interesting dynamic that's being introduced. Yeah, well, um, so I'm a little bit older than you are. Uh, yes. I, I'm 53. <laughs> and I'm a financial advisor. Uh, and I've spent um, 29 years in the business. And so, so I, I worked through September 11th. I had meetings in my office that day. Um, I had the majority of my clients over the last 29 years have been either retired or business owners or professionals. And, and um, so I went through this, the shock of September 11th and trying to help figure out uh, the best way to counsel clients through that shock event and, and what came out of it and the recession thereafter and going to war uh, after that. And then, of course, I was here 10 years ago for the financial crisis. And that period of panic and the financial pinch that people felt, business owners who saw lines of credit dry up, um, families uh, you know, who were faced with figuring out how to keep their house uh, after losing a job, uh, retired clients, you know, reminding them that we had prepared for times like these, you know, that we had allocated money to guaranteed fixed interest accounts to be able to weather an extended uh, period of panic. And so with that perspective, when I see what's happening today, I kind of feel like not to diminish how significant sure. the current circumstance that we're in, but this isn't the first time that, that I've experienced this kind of, uh, situation in terms of people experiencing a degree of panic, a financial panic. You know, after September 11th, people didn't feel safe. Here in Billings, we have multiple oil refineries. You know, we were concerned were we a target here. I remember the kids coming home from school and at, at, at school, the kids would talk about, you know, are the terrorists going to attack uh, the Sears yeah, Tower in Chicago tower. next, you know? <laughs> Um, or are they going to go after soft targets like shopping malls and, and so forth? And in the financial crisis, I have clients who are auto dealers. And like you couldn't, you couldn't give away a car almost until uh, they did stimulus kind of things uh, in terms of the junker cash for clunker trade-in and things like that. I, I think as human beings, when things happen that are unexplainable, unexplainable to us or that we experience a sense of fear 
that we try to attribute meaning to what's happening. And, and often we uh, seek to attribute some sort of spiritual meaning as well, because particularly in our experience, if spirituality or past or present spiritual practices have brought us a sense of peace uh, during difficult times, we seek to find meaning in those things. And, and that's the, the, the point of view that I'm coming from. The other thing, I, I think the perspective that I, I shared in my post, you know, that, that I'll read is when I went through uh, my faith transition and I experienced a, a crumbling of belief, um, there were certain things that were part of my prior belief that were really precious to me, my spiritual experiences, um, the ways that I experienced and perceived beauty in scriptures and uh, in art and nature and things like that. And I, I sought to reconstruct a sense of meaning for those things, to put uh, a renewed or reconstructed construct on how I interpreted those things in such a way that could give me peace and be able to continue to treasure those past experiences in a way that provided me meaning today. And um, I, I do think that um, particularly for people who are newer into a mixed faith uh, marriage type of uh, circumstance, when a shock event happens, when something that's really uh, distressful or triggers fear happens, it, it, it is common for, uh, for us in our confirmation bias to drift toward how we interpret and perceive things and hope to pull our spouse into what our biases are. Right. But in the end, uh, th that's not really how it works. Each individual um, uh, interdependently needs to figure out how they're going to interpret and perceive life and meaning. And I, I think it's helpful when we can recognize that our, our loved ones will perceive things differently than us in ways that feed them. And it's often not helpful to try to influence them in such a way to take that away from them. If that's what gives them a sense of peace and meaning. And so absolutely to your question as to, you know, whether a believing spouse might say, we'll see, they're going to perceive God in this, you know, Right. And so I'm going to bring them back in and they're all of a sudden going to go back to their past belief again. Or the person who's gone through a faith tra transition might say, see, here's all these evidences that disprove what my past beliefs were. Now you're going to be able to see things my way. It's very natural to react that way. But um, certainly in these times when we're experiencing fear and other kinds of phenomenon to to react in those ways. Absolutely. And I know that it's, it's easy for us to talk about in a mixed faith marriage, by the way, I know Anthony, you haven't been on this podcast to tell your story. Anthony is in a mixed faith marriage as well. Would absolutely encourage everyone to go listen to his episodes on Mormon stories with John Delin. What episode numbers were those again? Those were uh, 1159 through 1165. Nice. So that's what six episodes. Yeah, so there, uh, yeah, so there were five episodes uh, the day that I recorded, and then I did a epilogue episode, kind of a awesome. follow up. 
Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You, everybody on both sides of the spectrum of belief would benefit from listening to those. So Anthony, absolutely with you and I both being the one that has transitioned away from the church, it's easy for us to talk about kind of the empathetic approach that we could take. Uh, I'm sure Katie, you know, afterwards, after you and I record this, Katie and I are going to talk a little bit more and she can provide but uh, more empathy from the believing approach as well. But during these, these times, it certainly can be a temptation to, for the one that is still believing to look at the, the spouse that has left and do the same exact thing of saying, can't you see this? Can't you see that I'm right? Look at all the, look at the scriptures. And it says that this is going to happen and now it's happening. And like, that's not helpful either. Uh, so um, I'll, I'll let Katie speak to that. She, she lends more, credibility than I do <laughs> to speak to those topics. But uh, thank you for, for those words. And, and what we'd love to do now is if you could just read your, your post, uh, I think it's, it's, it's moving. I don't want to build it up too much, but I thought it was great. I shared it myself. I think that now would be a great time. So this was shared just a couple of hours. It looks like two and a half hours after the earthquake uh, yes. hit Utah. On March 18th. Correct. So I wrote... I think as human beings, we attempt to make sense and find meaning in the things that we perceive to be unexplainable. 30,000 years ago, if we lived near an active volcano, we developed stories and we tried to make sense and attribute meaning as to why and when the volcano would push out ash or when it rumbled or when it erupted or when it was dormant. Maybe our ancestors decided that we needed to sacrifice virgins by throwing them into the volcano to satisfy the volcano gods, because certainly there would have been a supernatural reason for the volcano going off. Maybe we had other superstitions that were as harmless as a modern-day NFL fan, believing that wearing his or her favorite jersey during a game will influence the outcome of a playoff. It does. I've tested it. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a harmless uh, superstition. That's, uh, that's right. Um, some of our ancestors who lived in the Middle East between about 1000 to about 3000 BCE 300, developed, 300. excuse me, 300, 1000 to 300 BCE, developed symbols and stories to make sense of things like rainbows or why the sky was blue or how a diversity of languages came to be where human beings came from, how there could be bones and fossils at the top of mountains, who were the chosen people and tribes of God and who weren't, and the meanings and characteristics we attribute to the word God. Those symbols and stories would be aggregated and blended and formed into what we now have in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament in the forms of symbols and origin stories and behavioral standards quite similarly to our ancestors who sought to make sense of volcanic activity. Many of those stories and symbols have proved to be enduring because so many of them, uh, so many of us experience a sense of beauty and spiritual connection with those stories in the Pentateuch, the five books attributed to Moses and yeah. other books in the Old Testament. So today there was a 5.7 magnitude earthquake in Utah and a significant symbol of the predominant faith tradition there was damage. Moroni's golden trump broke off and fell from atop the Salt Lake City Temple. Some of my friends there are trying to find some sort of meaning as to how 
this would happen? What is the meaning? I think that earthquakes are random and part of the age and development of the earth, no different than, than volcanic activity. The Wasatch Front is in a major fault line corridor that makes it susceptible to earthquakes. There are going to be earthquakes there. At some point, there will be cataclysmic earthquakes that reshape the whole area. Here in Montana, we are adjacent to the Yellowstone Caldera. That's in Yellowstone National Park. Someday, it will erupt as a cataclysmic event that could permanently change life on Earth. Those who survive it will likely seek to attribute meaning to what happened. But I live close enough to that that if it happened in my lifetime, I would not be one of those left behind to figure out what it means. Novel viruses are part of the evolutionary process of life on this planet. Eventually, we will live with and develop immunities to COVID-19, which is the disease for the current strain of the coronavirus. Likely with intervention from vaccines that will help healthcare providers and vulnerable populations. For many of the rest of us, we will contract it, survive it, and develop immunity to the current strain. In the future, when it is no longer a novel virus, we will deal with it in the same way that we deal with the flu, with common colds, and other kinds of things. COVID-19 is a big deal. It is and it will continue to cause disruptions and loss. We will mourn and grieve with the effects of the disease. But as humanity, we will survive this. Money and markets are myth constructs that human beings created to be able to interact with each other and cooperate on large scales. They are extremely important, but they are also man-made constructs. As humans, we get over-optimistic and over-pessimistic. During the next one to two years, some businesses will fail, some will thrive, and some people will end up financially starting over again. But we will get through this together. These kinds of things happened in, 19, in the 1918 uh, Spanish flu period, during the world wars, during the oil crisis and inflation of the 1970s, during the stagflation and Cold War of the early 1980s, during the dot-com crash and the turmoil after 9-11, during the financial crisis 10 years ago, and in periods long before 1918, and in future periods long beyond uh, after we are all gone. And as human beings, we adapt and we survive. We will do what we have done for thousands and thousands of years. We will take care of each other. We will help out our neighbors. We will cooperate with other tribes, and we will get through these things. Ten years from now, these next one to two years will be seen as a blip, although a big one, in similar ways that the Spanish flu, 9-11, and the financial crisis are seen as brief periods in our history. I believe that there is meaning and purpose in life. I believe that the meaning and purpose includes to live with consciousness, with connection and purpose with others, with connection to nature and other beauty in this life, to love and to mourn, to serve and to develop gratitude, to strive to make a difference in the lives of others while we are here, 
and to strive to make a difference in the lives of those we leave behind when we are no longer here. We've got this. We are not alone. We have each other. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for reading that. I love the positive note that uh, it, it ends on. And really the, the tone throughout the message is not of cataclysm. It's of, yeah, it's difficult. These things happen, but uh, we're going to get through it. I, the, the, the very end of it really reminds me of just how resilient we are as, as human beings. We've been through some really, really tenuous and dramatic things over the course of our existence. And I think this is where what you believe doesn't really matter. I can look at it from a very scientific, naturalistic viewpoint and say, we're going to, we're going to get above, above and beyond this. We're going to be stronger after this. We've done it before and we'll do it again. Uh, over the course of history, we can point time and time again to things that threatened us as a species and we, we've bonded together and survived. Uh, take more of a natural selection perspective of it. And, even, and then from the belief side, there's, there's the same thing. There's a belief of God will protect us. Uh, whether or not we go as far as saying we're a chosen people is really not important to me, but God will protect us. We can pray and he will, and he, he will help provide us. Hopefully we don't replace any practical ways of, of protecting ourselves with washing of the hands and things, um, avoiding touching your face. We don't completely uh, replace the, the physical protection with pure spiritual protection, but anything that can, can justify the, the optimism is, is a positive in my mind. What do you think? Well, I think, I think regardless of our beliefs with regard to divinity or God or whatnot, I, I think that we each have axioms or principles that we live by that are part of who we are, that, that give us a spirit, an experience of meaning, purpose, and connection. And, and it often relates to family. It often relates to doing and part- participating and, and observing acts of moral goodness and perceiving truth and beauty, truth meaning that something has utility or usefulness. We have these different axioms and, and whether they're innate or whether they're part of evolution or whether there's a divine being somewhere that has dictated these uh, or wherever it is that we get it. I think that we, we have these things inherently. I think that inherently we're good. And, and, and I think that regardless of belief, there are shared spiritual languages or shared axioms uh, or activities, things that we do that manifest uh, our belief in these things. And so it, it doesn't do any good in my mind to, to claim, a, for a person to claim that they believe in God, but they don't behave like they do. Right. You know? right. And, and uh, but we can behave like we believe that these things are important and that they connect us and they fill us and they give us meaning and purpose in life regardless of where they originate. And, and I really think that's where we need to focus our time 
And I, I, I do believe that we can, in mixed faith marriages and families and other relationships, find these shared beliefs. You know, with what we're facing right now, there are people in our communities who are in their 70s and 80s and 90s who don't have a local faith community to support them, who don't have local family, and there are opportunities for us to make a difference in their lives. Um, there, there's the single mom who is a bartender or a server who half of her income was from cash tips that have stopped. And when she collects unemployment, it's going to be based on what her base wages were, not on her tips. Right. And she's going to get stretched. You know, There are things, there are opportunities that we have now to experience connection it is that we want to call it in our lives and this isn't to sit and observe uh, to pay attention and get curious about feelings that we're having and the opportunities and methods to really make a difference in the lives of others around us thank you very much anthony for that's a good uh that's a good point to to stop on help others see what you can do to to help people and that's that's what it's all about. Thank you very much for joining us. Any last words to all of our tight ropers i I love your podcast. I listen to every episode and I look forward to many future podcast episodes uh, from you and Katie. Uh, and we need to do more <laughs> podcast episodes together Anthony, I know I love you so much. I knew that getting into this was going to pull at my heartstrings and say, we've got to call Bill and keep going. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> All right. Well, if this, this is airing, I'm not going to edit this part out. So this has got to be some kind of commitment to getting back with Bill and the three of us doing another episode or two about the gospel topics essays. I, I think we need to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. And Hey, uh, shout out to, uh, to your wonderful wife and your son's, just son, one son. Remind me how many. So, I've met. Uh, I've met one. <laughs> yeah. So you met Nelson and his partner Jaden, and then our daughter uh, Rachel and her boyfriend Nick are down in Orem uh, at UVU. All our right. son and his partner are in Logan. Our son just got an offer to go work with Microsoft. So when this dies down, uh, the two of them uh, might end up in the Seattle area. So wow. we're excited about that. Yeah, it has to die down before they head out there for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, you've got uh, so many people I know, but just add us to the list of people willing to to check up on your kids. And I know they're full grown adults, but if, if, if they need anything, just let us know. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Anthony. We really appreciate Anthony coming on and giving his perspective. And I really loved what he said in his Facebook post. So that's why we had him on. You know, there is a quote that I read and it's by Cardinal Kim Soo Won. I'm not sure if I'm saying that Cardinal, right. We allow Catholics on this podcast. <laughs> I think he's a monk. Oh, he's, is that a title in other religions? Other than, I don't, I'm not huh. sure. I'm not sure. But he said, quote, suffering is a door that opens onto a new world. And when you think of the times that we suffer as a, as a group, as individuals, we look at the world in a new way. And so one of the things I wanted to do, and it's really funny that this happened, um, I put an Instagram, Facebook poll out just to see what are you anxious about? That's the question I asked is, is what are you anxious about? I gave four 
possible responses. And I wanted to read what people wrote. This was literally the day before the earthquake. So if the earthquake had, um, it it may have changed some of the answers. But I'll just, for those who weren't in an earthquake, it absolutely applies to you. So the question, what has you, has you most anxious? So the, the, 16.6% of you said you're worried about not having enough supplies or food through this. 20% of you said you're worried about being quarantined for weeks and staying in your home. As we know, people in China have been in their homes for months, weeks, two and a half months, I think. And they're just now coming out of it. That is something to worry about. 30% of you said losing a job and financially supporting your family is, is makes you anxious. That makes me anxious. I, in fact, when the earthquake happened, I said to Alan, is your job secure? I'm really worried about. They haven't told me it's not. (laughs) Not, not having enough money to support myself. I know that there are a lot of people, especially in the restaurant um, industry and this food services industry and schools. I mean, there are a lot of people who are really suffering and, and we are thinking and praying for all of you. So just know that. And then the top, I'm doing the thinking just in case I wasn't clear. (laughs) The top comment, 33% of you said that Having a loved one get Corona is at the top of your mind. And I think that, you know, it's nice to know that where people's priorities lie, right? People are worried about providing. They're worried about the health of, the their, health loved of their loved ones. That's a big deal. You know, Alan's um, oldest brother is an ER physician in Georgia. And just recently they had like nine cases in his hospital of Corona and you know you're we're hearing stories of other ER physicians who go into these like critical care situations and they themselves get it and die and so that is a huge concern um for us yeah they he my other siblings that are in Georgia basically said we're not going to be seeing Jason or getting close to him for a little while because he's in the heat of it and that's how it'll spread to our family is through him if it does. So, you know, this actually brings up a, a good point. Like you mentioned, Katie, this is a little bit of a different episode because we're more talking, trying to help people cope with more than just mixed faith in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the common themes that we we do see here and that you reminded me of when you talked about Jason is you may be experiencing some family members, some friends or loved ones sending you messages uh, saying, you know, uh, we're praying for you, or we hope that, you know, we're praying to God that your, um, your job's not at risk. We're praying for our local leaders. Uh, it's time to repent. I've seen messages. I personally haven't gotten this message, but the, we've seen people receive messages of, you know, this is the second coming. You have to come back type of thing. And I received a a text, um, this morning from a loved, or actually, sorry, last night, like the timeline matters. The last night from from a family member on Katie's side that said, you know, we put your name, we put everybody's names and, and your family, specifically Jason's name on the temple roll. We're praying for them. We're praying for our local leaders. We're praying for you and your job situation. I just and, got a I just got an email from the Utah area authority saying that this weekend they're asking all the members to pray about 
Right. Yeah. Comfort. Right. Yeah. Now, for those of you who, and I know this is a cliche word, but I'll say it, for those of you that are a little triggered at the mention of prayer, that don't quite believe in the efficacy of prayer, if you haven't already gotten these messages, you, you likely should think about how you're going to respond, if you're going to respond, if you receive those messages. And the way that I, res- I responded to this message, and I'll be honest, I thought about, you know, is this an opportunity for me to explain, I don't really, like, I'm thankful for your concern, I don't think this is an efficient, no, I'd, it didn't feel like the right thing to do. So I did not do that. What I did is I took the message and I copied and pasted it to my mom and to my brother and said, hey, this is from this family member. I I thought it would bring you some comfort. And they both responded back and said, oh, thank you. Please let them know we're so grateful. And then I responded to them, told them that, and said, thank you for your love and moved on. So that's really the basis of where I'm trying to be Zen. (laughs) I'm trying to be recognize that they are doing in their belief system what they can to show that they love and are thinking about us. And if all I'm doing while I'm quarantined is sending them a message saying, I hope everything's okay. Let us know what we can do. That's my version of doing what I can do. And I shouldn't expect them to say, well, why aren't you praying for me? Instead of me saying to them, why are you praying for me? Everyone's kind of doing uh, exactly what they what they feel like they can do in the, under these circumstances. Right. And so part of doing what you can do is recognizing what's stressing you out. And I think that I was engrossed for two days straight with coronavirus, with the earthquake. I was engrossed with show, social media. I mean, it was all anyone could talk about. I really appreciate appreciated the like funny memes that people would send me or funny videos about how awesome homeschooling your kids are. <laughs> and there were some great videos. But, um, you know, I noticed that I was spending so much energy and time pouring into my phone, looking what other people were saying. All the updates. Yeah, and- that I was getting freaked out. I was freaking myself out. And it wasn't that I didn't want to be up to date on what people were saying, especially, you know, the news and what our leaders are telling us. But mostly that I just became engrossed in like everyone worrying. When everyone worries and everyone puts out those sort of negative feelings, that's the that's the negativity you bring with yourself, within yourself. And so because of that, I said to Alan today, I have to take a social media break. I cannot be on social media. I just need to feel like an inner peace, and I don't get that. So whatever it is that is stressing you out, you need to identify that and then decide when you're going to take a break from that or what you can do about that. So we have um, just a a list of things we wanted to just talk about, because things that we thought would be helpful for you. Some ideas. Yeah. So when your life feels empty and mildly depressing... Um, See if you can do any of these following things. Numero uno. The first thing, um, learn something new. So we have a lot of time right now. And with that time, there have been enormous amounts of energy put in to giving you free classes online. Right, Alan? Alan signed up for these. I signed up for four classes. I think I overdid it, but they're all free on Coursera. 
covering, and these are from Yale, Columbia, Cornell, Harvard, Duke, all the Ivy League schools and others that are offering free courses basically on, you name a topic and you can take an online course for free. Right. And so now is a great time if you want to spend your time learning something new. Um, On St. Patrick's Day, I had three new recipes to learn because we wanted to do like Irish recipes. And that was really fun. That was cool to make, cool to learn something new. So take this time to learn something that you've always wanted to do. Now is your time. And people are just bending over backwards to make uh, courses free for you. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I watched a video. A lot of people know who Mark Rober is. Mm-hmm. He did like the Amazon stolen package bomb, glitter bomb videos. Yes. He's very popular on YouTube. I watched his YouTube video yesterday. It was actually on coronavirus. <laughs> but he talks about uh, the fact that during this period of time where we're stuck in our house, we have a, likely a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to invest more time into ourselves, education, learning new skills than we ever will before mm-hmm. because we're at home having to just be bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a whiteboard in our living room and we had our kids write down the things that they wanted to learn during this break. So things like for my little ones, tie my shoes. My son wanted to do a backwards basketball dunk. Um, my daughter wanted to ride a bike without training wheels, which she learned in one day. So you can absolutely do these with yourself, your spouse, and your kids. So uh, number two, spend two to three hours a week volunteering. So we know that when we give to others, we receive happiness and positivity in our lives. But isn't it a valid excuse to say, well, I can't volunteer because of social distancing? Yeah. So here are some ways you can volunteer. Be creative. Um, Definitely be creative. But... I will say that for my 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 cute little neighborhood, we've we've definitely found some fun things to do. So on St. Patrick's Day, everyone put out like a green clover, and as we took a walk through the neighborhood, we could we could um, find the green clovers on people's doors and count how many there were. Another one is we did a chalk the block, and so kids went out and wrote beautiful quotes or I love you or they just did pictures of things all over their sidewalk so that as people walked by uh, they they could read those and feel inspired by it we put together um, little bags with treats and let's see muffin mix and then little like crafts I got from the dollar section at Target and I took it to some of my friends who I knew had little kids and were stuck inside I just stuck them on the front doorstep and they could do something with their kids that's fun so be creative you can find ways to serve other people in your neighborhood I mean I picked we picked up um, milk for my neighbor when I was at the store just like you know a couple days ago I just said, hey, anyone need anything? And I did that. So anyway, be creative. It'll make you feel good. Good. Um, there's, a, there's a book called Option B. It's by Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant. And Where'd you get this book? Alan, this is another book that Alan gave oh, to me. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, let me pat you yourself on the back. I'm good at that. I'm good at that. So Option B is a, an amazing book. It basically is, look, we all have an option A. We always have a first choice. But what do you happen when you, what happens when you can't have that first choice? You know, our first choice is to be outside and to go 
as we freely do, to go on our vacations, to do whatever it is that we want to do. But uh, we have to have option B and sometimes an option C and D and E and F and you could go down the line. Uh, but Alan actually is the one, we were talking about the golden rule with the kids. And then Alan brought this one up. Do you want to read the quote? Yeah, sure. So it says, quote, but when someone is suffering, instead of following the golden rule, we need to follow the platinum rule. Treat others as they want to be treated. Take a cue from the person in distress and respond with understanding or better yet, action. End quote. So, yeah, it, it's different. Uh, everyone reacts differently to distress. And uh, a really good example in our marriage is when Katie is expressing some distress, uh, my initial reaction, and this is a natural reaction, is to, I'm going to fix this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's not what she wants. A lot of times she just wants me to listen. So when I think about it, it's easier from an effort perspective to just not... <laughs> unless, unless I say fix it. Unless you say fix it. Um, it's easier just to listen Express that I understand that this is must be so hard for you. I hear you. Uh, is there anything I can do, or what can I do to help? That's that is what what uh, this platinum rule is saying. I was at Costco today, uh, just getting a couple of things. I had to wait in line for about twenty minutes to get inside because there was a lot of people outside and everyone was being good with social distancing. It was a really eerie experience, but that's not the point of the story. We went back and they had just gotten some water. And like they were listed, water was listed as out of stock outside of the store as you were getting in. But then when we got in, they, they had some and there were some limits and I was putting water into my cart and then a, an elderly lady, I mean, she must've been 75 to 80 years old, mm-hmm. couldn't pick up the water. And so uh, rather than go, <laughs> I had this moment of a platinum rule thought Um, and hopefully this doesn't sound self-serving, but it's just a small example that reminded me of it is rather than just go and manhandle her, her water because of this whole social distancing and she's in a higher risk, you know, bracket or whatever. I, I asked her, said, would you like me to help you with the water? And she said, that would be great. And I said, you're okay with me touching the water that you're going to buy and take home. She said, oh yes, yes, that's totally fine. I'll wipe it off when, once we get home and, And it was, you know, for me, I just would have been grateful if my back was hurt or something, which it is. If someone just picked it up and did it, that that would be what I would want them to do, but not exactly what maybe she would want us to do. The third thing that you can do is connect with friends. Guys, for us extroverts, (laughs) it has been a nightmare. I've seen a few memes, right, that that say, hey, introverts, put your book book down. down, reach out to your extrovert friends. They're not doing okay. Oh, it's hard. Alan and I and all of our kids are extremely extroverted. So social distancing has been so hard. But there are things that make it better. There are a host of things you can do. FaceTime, Voxer, WhatsApp, Face, uh, let's see, Marco Polo. Uh, You know, when we feel connected, we feel less depressed and lonely. I have a friend that I met on the internet, Alan. Whoa, is this a... Whoa, hold on here. This may be a turning point in our marriage. So her name's Annie and Anne. um, And she is from Tennessee. And she sent us an an email. And I don't know, we like went back and forth. And I'm like, you know, this is just... It'll be easier if we just Marco Polo. 
And she's like, cool, I don't know what that is. So I got her to download it. And, you know, it has been really fun because we've gotten to know each other through Marco Polo. Uh, We've been doing this for a couple months now. And she lives in, like, the Nashville area. And when the tornado hit, she, like, would you know, get on Marco Polo and she'd like process things with me and I'm listening and just like thinking how crazy this is. And then just barely with the earthquake hitting us, like I got on and I told her, you know, I had sympathy for you guys before, but now I feel like I have empathy because we just went through this earthquake and we didn't lose our house, but I can understand like the, the scared and panicky feeling. But anyway, we've just like cultivated this yeah. great friendship from Marco Polo, and I've never met her in real life. Isn't that? I think it's just so beautiful. Uh, we have so many tools. So all thousands of you, uh, just send <laughs> send Katie a Marco Polo, and she'll get back to you immediately. Start more Marco. Man, I'm on Marco Polo too. Send me. A message. I have all the time in the world right now. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> no, but you can connect to people that way, and it's important to connect. What do you do to connect? Yeah, well, today when I was waiting in line at Costco, I just had a thought of, I'm going to send a quick message to just whoever pops to mind. So I thought of, you know, this guy that I, I have met in real life, but we're not friends. He's a he's a business colleague, a client that I sold into this account. And I remembered, hey, he's getting married in June. I'm going to ask, how are, how is this affecting your plans for your marriage? I hope everything's okay. And if you just take a minute to stop and think about the situation of others in your life. There's another friend who I went on a trip with recently who uh, got laid off just before our trip. And he just found a job beforehand. His wife has just gone through a number of surgeries. There's like a high amount of stress in his life. And I reached out to him and just said, how are you holding up? I know things were crazy before all of this. If you just stop for just a quick second and think about your friends, think about your loved ones in their individual situations... You can not only help your own social energy box battery, there's a better way, energy, what's an energy box? (laughs) You can help your social battery recharge by reaching out to these friends. We can also help them recharge as well. This tick, this checks off the volunteer box and the connect box, don't you think? Hey, I love you know, checking multiple boxes. Yeah, you're doing it at the same Two time. Two boxes, one pen. Is I that- am a multitasker, so. <laughs> so the last thing that we came up with is meditating on the truth. What's the so truth? So what is the truth? So we need to tell each other and ourselves, it's natural for things to change. Willingly accept that change. It is natural for things to change. Willingly accept that change. When we put up our defenses, when we, when we reject the change, we just do damage to ourselves. We cause anxiety. We cause depression. And we are holding on to what could have happened or should have happened, right? The past. Yeah. Rather than just accepting where we are now. So... Just like to go over those four points, learn something new, volunteer, connect with your friends, and then just accept the change that's happened. And what are you going to do with that change? That last one, my version of that, my version of that is don't stress about the things you can't control over. You don't have control over. Things are going to happen. Things are happening right now that you don't have control over. 
So take that new situation you're in, embrace it, and okay, what can what what thing is new here? A really stupid example is I'm super bummed that baseball season is postponed or if not canceled. And that includes fantasy baseball, which checks off my social box as well because I get to, get to do it with some coworkers. And so I wasn't going to buy the um, Major League Baseball game on PlayStation, but I did. I embraced the change. <laughs> oh, and I get to check my baseball box with a video game, which is quite wonderful. So there's another quote that I love, and it's from the book Love Affirm Perfect Things by Haman Sunim. And it, it talks about suffering in there, and it says, Are you suffering from anxiety? Try prioritizing your worries by writing them down. If something you're worried about hasn't happened yet, put it at the end of the list. Worry only about the problems facing you right now. For the rest, you can cross that bridge when you come to it. I think that there's a lot of unnecessary worrying we do. We worry about the future when there's really no control over it. There are some immediate worries we have. How am I going to get toilet paper tomorrow? (laughs) Right? So put your most immediate needs, things that you can do today or tomorrow, but the ones that are far off in the distance or you have no control over, put at the end so that you can free your mind up a little bit knowing that there's nothing you can do now about that and maybe just um, set that aside. Not that it's gone, but you've set it aside. That's a beautiful thought. I appreciate that, Katie. You know, one thing that I know that many people here need is some specific help on their mixed faith marriage, which is why we have developed our online course, Workshop on a Tightrope. That is awesome that it is online and that it is still going forward just so everybody knows we are not changing uh we think that this is a perfect opportunity for everybody that still needs help with their mixed faith marriage and needs some clinical help from natasha some practical advice and help from us you're in your house you can still make you it's even easier now to make it work because you're in your house and you really can't go out uh, on Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday are going to be the three nights. For six weeks, we're doing this course with really great uh, clinically researched material with some practical lessons and work that you can do together as a couple and then some Q&A. Uh, you can sign up for that at eventbrite.com by searching for Workshop on a Tightrope under the online event section. Most of the other sections are pretty slow these days. I've got an email from Eventbrite talking about uh, what to do in the situation that your event needs to be canceled. And we're, we're grateful that ours is online and won't have to suffer from that. You know, we had a deadline of today. If you signed up by today, March 20th, you have included the Flourish Masterclass growing in, or yeah, ways to grow um, closer in intimacy and sex by Natasha Helfer Parker. And we said, okay, March 20th is our deadline for it. And that's today. But, you know, we understand that these are crazy times right now. And with so many things looming, the last thing we want to do is cause more stress on those of you who would like to participate in this. So, We are going to extend the masterclass until the end of the month. So you have till the end of the month to sign up and you will still get that with Natasha. 
Now, there's also one other thing that we wanted to do is we wanted to make it easier for you to sign up, especially if you're worried about your finances. We're going to provide a two-part payment plan. This is for the couples that that need uh, this option, uh, understanding that the financial situation, while this still is very much a needed resource, it may be a little stressed right now. So the way it's going to work is if you need this option, when you register, uh, just type in payment plan, all one word, lowercase, for your promo code, and that will give you half off the registration. And then the second payment will be due by May 1st to fully pay for the course. That's all that we wanted to talk about with the course. And what we want to do is finish up this podcast with talking about the positives of all of this. What positives can we find in all of this craziness? So we actually asked the uh, Instagram uh, people, uh, all those folks on Instagram, you can tell that I'm the Facebook guy and Katie's the Instagram lady. So we asked what have what has been most helpful. And we're going to go through the top four answers here. 5% said confidence in leaders. <laughs> that seems about right. <laughs> now, we're not talking whether we're talking about like government or church leaders. So just take it as, well, as you will. 5% in leaders. 10.6% uh, said the opportunity to develop a new skill during this time. That's great. We talked about that. 26.2% uh, said we have pl plenty of supplies. I think some of the emergency preparedness that the church Oh, man, those preppers teaches, are going crazy right, right now. Preppers are so happy. That's right. And then uh, the highest by far, 58.2%, enjoying time home with your kids and your spouse. I think that that might dip a little bit if we do another post in about a month. <laughs> That's right. If we're still under lockdown. But I wanted to call attention to a, a few of the positives that I've seen being posted on Facebook or on Reddit. If you've... If you've seen the way that Mother Nature has been able to thrive and kind of rebound and have a second to breathe, I think, if you will, we're kind of personifying Mother Nature, but there's videos and pictures of the canals in Venice and how they're crystal clear and, and there's, there's dolphins, dolphins swimming through them. The air pollution in most major cities around the world is at an all-time low. There's deers walking through urban neighborhoods in China that have not seen deer in decades there's wild monkeys in thailand there's, yeah then there's that there's there's overgrowth <laughs> of of vegetation and there's wild monkeys eating all the food up because all the tourists are gone in thailand there's there's a lot of very interesting things i'm excited to see all of the studies that are done on the positive effect of humans just chilling out at home for a few weeks i think it's going to provide a lot of legitimacy to some of the I don't want to use the, the term climate change gets politically charged, but there's a lot to it. And I think it's going to be a really cool uh, thought experiment of what would it be like if between Christmas and New Year, every single year, humans just stay inside. Yeah, I think it gives Mother Nature a, a breath. It, it allows the earth to just breathe a little bit. Yeah. We are harsh humans and we kill everything we around us. We do. And, and I don't want to get into any type of like, you know, green works, political rant or anything. But I think that it's important to realize that some of these really natural occurring things in nature and in our societies that, that we don't get to see is we're the cause of it. Right. And and so I am so grateful that, that this is a time of healing for the earth itself. 
just, okay, I'll get out of there now. So the other thing that I've thought about is, you know, there's a parallel between our mixed faith marriages and the time that we have home with our families. And, you know, in the mixed faith marriage, we're always looking to just get through the pain, to get through the anxiety, get through the grief. And we don't necessarily enjoy the steps that we take and the growth that we make in order to get to the other side. And so, you know, think about that with your own family. You know, the homeschooling that goes on every day. Are we just waiting? Are we waiting to get to the point where our kids go back to school? Are we just thinking, I cannot wait until we are not quarantined inside, we are not home alone. But if you are waiting for that moment to come, you're not going to enjoy what's passing you right now. And this goes back to some of the things you can enjoy, um, especially this time with your family. Uh, I read a really cool Instagram post by Kristen Bell. I follow her on Instagram and it was a letter from her principal. And she said, you know, now is not the time to hound your kids about their grades and their schoolwork. And especially now with the earthquake, this is a stressful time for our kids. It's a stressful time on us. So give yourself grace and time and make this time be one of the most memorable that you can because are your kids going to look back and say, my kid, my mom yelled at me this whole, you know, the whole time to get my homework done. Are they going to look back and say like, we took a walk every day. We learned about our family history. We played games nonstop. We learned how to play the guitar. Like, what is it that your kids and what are you going to remember from this experience? And I think, think, think of those things. What is it that you want to accomplish? Is it just to be? Is it just to have like the quiet silence and, well, you never have quiet silence with kids, but is it, but is it, is it to enjoy the moments that you're getting with them? Because you have, this is like vacation time that you normally would spend with them, right? Except you're home. So make the most of it. This is a beautiful, like, this is a gift. It's a gift that we all get and make the most of that. I want to shout you out, Katie, because this week um, I'm helping where I can. I'm working from home, obviously, and... Uh, I have, I've had some calls here and there and most of them happen in the morning. So when the kids are getting up and having to get down, sat down for school, Katie is doing it. And unbeknownst to me until today, each day she has sat down with them. And the first thing they do rather than get your Chromebooks out and let's check the schedule, even before sit down and let's eat breakfast, they gather and they do a little mindfulness exercise, whether that's saying a prayer together or having a quiet moment of silence or pulling up the waking up app and doing a, a quick meditation, mindfulness we do meditation. Heads, we do headspace. Med- yeah, it. we do headspace meditation. Like focusing on the now and having a quiet moment. I'm very grateful that you're making that a priority for, for the kids as well. Yeah, and I think it puts you in the right, just the right mindset for the day. Things don't need to be rushed. Things don't need to be hurried. Take a break when we need to take a break. And go enjoy the sunshine when when it is out, right? Right. There is a quote that I wanted to leave you with. And again, it's from Love for Imperfect Things uh, by Heyman Sunim. We'll link to all to, to the books that we've talked about today. But this is a beautiful quote that I read this morning. It says, 
When the waves of an ordeal roll in, do not act out of desperation. Instead, go to a peaceful place and dwell on the silence within yourself. When your mind touches its deep silence, you realize that you have enough inner strength and wisdom to go through with this. All of you can get through this, and we're here for you, and we're doing it with you, and we hope and pray for the best for all of you. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in. Say 